Hello and welcome to The Political Notebook. I'm Billy Robb, your host. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, an editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. On this episode of The Political Notebook, we're going to reflect on Doug Ducey's uh, State of the State Address. Governor of Arizona gave a speech on Monday um, hashing out his uh, agenda for the for the year. And we're going to use that and also zoom in and talk about some educational issues that's going to play out in 2018 in the state of Arizona. And uh, Dad, you've got an article coming out Wednesday about about the speech. And I know you've written an article previously that I thought was interesting that you kind of talked about two sides to Ducey. You had the kind of, um, on one, one side, you had the compassionate compassionate conservative that that cares about people and, and expresses that in, in various ways in terms of policy. And then you have the second side, which was kind of the conservative fiscal, the fiscal conservative, the um, guy who wanted to cut taxes every year and and uh, cut regulations. And what stood out to me about the speech was um, the the compassionate side. He talked. He opened up his address with solidarity towards women in the light of the the Me Too movement, but also uh, a lot of the articles and allegation that come out in the Arizona legislature, legislature um, about sexual harassment. So it showed solidarity with women, highlighted all the women um, governors and lawmakers that, that we have had and have now in, in Arizona. Also showed his compassionate side, um, addressing the opioid crisis and uh, expressing, uh, you know, just personal uh feeling and, and remorse about that and, and vowing to do more uh, to limit the prescriptions and, and, and the ways that those are, are spreading into our society. Also talked about uh, his, uh, his agenda for, for prisoners, wanting them to get a second chance, used an example about um, how people that have made mistakes have second, second chance opportunities and his, his uh, desire to see that improved. And even his, even his pitch about deregulation was about uh, his example he used was about haircuts for someone who wanted to give haircuts to homeless people, and that uh, you know that regulation kept someone who wanted to do good for other people uh, from doing that. So that that was my impression. Um, so what was from your from your mind? What was he trying to accomplish with the speech, and did he accomplish that? I think there were some political objectives, um, but I viewed this speech as completing a transition uh, that's been occurring throughout um, Ducey's first term. When he ran for office, he ran as a transformative conservative reformer. Uh, He was an ardent supply sider. He was going to cut taxes every year with the goal of getting income taxes as close to zero as possible. Uh, He was going to close the achievement gap in education by expanding school school choice uh, and effectuating fundamental restructuring of um, the public education system to uh, have funding follow students more and push decision-making down to the school site level, empowering principals. This particular speech uh, was not even the speech of a compassionate conservative. Uh, It was 
almost entirely non-ideological at all. Uh, it really um, was sort of colorless politics, uh, drained of any kind of ideological content. Uh, and um, I think that that, I, I used to think that both sides, the transformative reformer and the compassionate conservative uh, resided within Ducey. I now think that he has probably evolved personally and certainly in the political persona that he is projecting uh, to much more of a non-ideological manager, uh, someone who responsibly handles state finances. Um, he uh, makes government more efficient and streamlined. He tries to create opportunities. Uh, he wants government to be providing a helping hand to those that are facing drug addiction or those looking to reenter society after being released from prison. So uh, rather than it be this duality that I had thought I had seen it play, I really viewed this speech as completing a transition to a different Doug Ducey. You did still hear, though, like like sounds of conservative talking points. He made a pretty strong point about about gun rights. Um, he made a point uh, to be tough on tough on borders, especially with uh, he talked about his task uh, task force that the federal government wasn't enforcing immigration. Um, and border policy, so the state had to step up. Um, but, talked about business being attracted due to... But compared to his past speeches, those were almost appearances of ghosts. Mm. I mean, they, 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 had a, they were there, uh, but you pretty well have exhausted um, all of the ideologically conservative points he made. And uh, tellingly, uh, he, he, even though the issue of whether we need a tax increase to fund education is probably the biggest issue and controversy facing the state. Um, he didn't do a finger wag saying that, you know, there will not be any uh, tax increase, which has been part of every other major speech I have ever heard him give. So yes, you, you still have those ghosts. Um, I think you could still describe him as uh, generally conservative. Um, but I think increasingly uh, he wants to project uh, and act in a non-ideological fashion. And I was going to ask whether that whether those two sides would clash against each other. So like if you had this compassion conservative where you want to you want to raise money and, and spend more money for opioids. You want to spend more money in education. You wanted to, uh, would that, like you wanted to deregulate or you wanted to, um, you know, add more regulation in terms of, uh, I don't know, DUI, um, increased penalties for people driving the wrong ways on freeways or something. Um, would that clash with his other side, which was being the kind of the fiscal hawk and the conservative um hawk or whatever um but i guess maybe he's not afraid of those clashing maybe you see him as just kind well, of I, totally I, embracing I, the i i the used to think one of the more fascinating political questions this year would be which doug ducey ran for re-election 
my assumption was that he still believed in all those things uh, that he ran on in 2014 and got elected on uh, and had been constrained by uh, still sluggish revenue growth in state government uh, and the massive deficit and problems that he inherited and that he might want to then tackle those bigger, more transformative conservative reforms in a second term. But in order to do that, he would have to run on them in 2018 and get a mandate for implementing them, uh, as opposed to running on what he has been, uh, which is a steady hand at the helm, someone who inherited a mess and has made it much better, uh, and uh, who uh, looked to uh, government to be more effective and efficient and to do helpful things. I no longer think that's an issue. Um, I think that the transformative consu- uh, conservative reformer uh, is gone, and so, and even not even a compassionate conservative, a significantly uh, non-ideological manager of state government is what Doug Ducey has become, and uh, which and is the persona on which I will. I think he will run. Now, if his hand is forced by there being a tax increase on the ballot or facing an opponent who uh, is advocating a tax increase, then I think you might see a return of the conservative uh, transformative reformer because I continue to believe, although there wasn't the finger wag in the state of the state message that I anticipated, I still think Ducey uh, will be opposed to, and, and strenuously opposed to, any tax increase on his watch. That's what uh, I was wondering was, what's that going to do if he does transform in that way, and it's authentic? What's that going to do to the political landscape around him? What's that going to do to the legislators who might not want to take things in that direction or have constituents that um, want to keep on the on the fiscal um, conservative side? And then you know other other people around the state of Arizona that might have um, that might have supported Ducey are is he at any risk of of shifting the shifting the plates, if you will? I, I don't think so. And, and and he remains fiscally conservative. I mean, he he the state spending remains restrained as a result of sluggish uh, revenue growth. Um, uh, fairly significant cuts in corporate income taxes that were approved before uh, he was elected, but which have phased in during his tenure, uh, have taken place, uh, and he has resisted any call to uh, halt or reverse those. Um, So I, I don't think his fiscal conservative credentials are at risk, um, and the agenda that he offered to the legislature is a fairly easy one. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> he's not requiring them to do a lot of things that are highly um, controversial or difficult. Um, so, um, and, and Ducey commands the stage uh, in uh, state policy and government uh, more commandingly than uh, any governor in recent memory. So there is very much 
so far been a uh, quite willingness to take to follow his lead um, by the state legislature. And that's what kind of strikes me too is that he's not ringing this new or different version or new or different tune out of a sense or doesn't it doesn't strike me to to seem like a sense of fear out of losing or out of like trying to change yourself to uh to look there it doesn't feel like I mean, it does seem like and it's a it's kind of authentic and um you know getting getting everyone on 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 their feet and the way he spoke uh, to begin the speech and several several points it just seemed like he you know to score authenticity points that it does come across as authentic. So let's, uh, one of the things that a lot of people were looking to hear from the governor was what he was going to say about education. And he, in the last, um, in the last speech made that more of the, uh, the center point than, than he did on this speech. And a lot of people were anticipation, especially because of a, of a rally over, over the weekend on the Capitol um, by an education group, Save Our Schools, and uh, kind of demanding um, more money uh, for education and feeling like Ducey had kind of talked a big game in the past about funding for education and then not really delivered um, in the way that he was talking and in the way that they feel is needed uh, for the schools. So how is that group that we're that we're rallying? How are that that group gonna gonna take this speech? Will they be happy with it, um, and will they be satisfied with with any commitments or statements that he's made so far? There are those who believe a tax increase is necessary in order to fund K through twelve education in Arizona the way that it should be. I am among them, um, but I also think that. Uh, Ducey has generally been sold short on what he has already accomplished. Uh, He inherited a uh, lawsuit over inflation funding for the schools uh, that uh, threatened a constitutional crisis. The court's ordering the legislature to spend money that the legislature would refuse to spend. And uh, he forged a settlement to that lawsuit. Um, with Proposition 123, uh, which uh, voters narrowly approved. Uh, They will regard what he said in the speech as inadequate and so said. But the next day, um, he put meat on the bones in terms of what he was proposing for K-12 education. And it is highly meaningful and I think uh, changes the game. Uh, There are three large pots of money that fund from the state level K-12 education. you got basic state aid and Prop 123 provided inflation funding for that particular pot. The other two pots are uh, what's called district and charter additional assistance and um, construction funding from the school facilities board. The legislature had pretty much zeroed out funding from those two uh, pots. Uh, Ducey has proposed making a uh, large contribution from both pots next year uh, with a commitment to completely restore uh, district and charter assistant uh, additional assistance over a period of five years. 
So when you say zeroed out, you mean what? They spent I mean, it all? Or they, well, no, they 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 uh, even though there were formulas that said this amount should be spent, they appropriated virtually nothing. Okay. So those two pots were dry. And Ducey is proposing to refill them in a very meaningful fashion. He also um, had the support of many school board members and administrators for uh, his initiative. So I think politically, he, with this meaningful effort, uh, will uh, divide the education community, uh, making it more difficult to develop the political coalition to enact a tax increase uh, over his opposition. So he's, re- he's, he's proposing to refill, um, refill funding for, for areas that haven't been fun enough that um, you think enough educators will be on board to kind of take the heat off uh, of, the, of the Ducey education bashing. I, it won't. It won't <laughs> reduce the bashing. Um, that will continue unabated. Uh, what it does is make it more difficult to develop a political coalition that could successful could successfully pass a tax increase over his opposition. Uh, and I, I do think, uh, both substantively, it's it's um, the right approach to replenishing K through 12 education and politically I think uh, it puts him back in ball control. He was very close to just losing control over this whole debate and discussion. And how is so a couple couple follow-ups is this this is his proposal. It would still have to be uh, confirmed by the legislature right to, to be put into into action it, it would and in fully understanding the consequences on the rest of state government for this amount of money uh, going to replenish K through 12 education won't be known until he releases his budget um, later on in the week. Uh, but uh, on budget issues, uh, Ducey has gotten virtually everything he's ever asked for from the Arizona legislature. And I would be extremely surprised. Uh, if what he is proposing for K-12 education funding uh, doesn't have very smooth sailing uh, in the legislature. It puts Democrats, frankly, I think, in a tough position because they're going to want to say it's not enough, but it is meaningfully more, and an awful lot of school districts will be saying we want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it puts Democrats in kind of a tough spot. And that's, um, a lot of the question people ask, so, well, you know, if you're not, and he's been, um, really firm on the kind of like, we're not going to raise taxes, but that doesn't mean we still can't raise, raise the money for it. Um, so it sounds like he's just maybe shifting, shifting the funding around. Do you think that is going to work, uh, in terms of the budget, like shifting money, where is the money to be found? Again, we won't know until the budget comes out, but uh, just ordinary growth in state revenues produces um, $400 million or so additional dollars a year. 
So if you uh, hold the line elsewhere, you've got some meaningful funds that you can apply to K-12. Now, there's an awful lot of other places in state government that are hurting. Uh, Ducey asked all of his um, heads of agencies to try to identify places of savings. So exactly how he comes up with the money that he has said that he wants to give to K-12 education is unclear, um, but he has been a sensible, prudent manager of state finances. So I don't think there's going to be um, a lot of flim-flam uh, in it. And I anticipate that the legislature, the Republican members of the legislature, will be quite willing to follow his lead. Does that have any effect on, on Prop 301 extension? So that's a 0.6% sales tax that's set to expire in 2020? Is that 2021. Right? 2021. Uh, and there's a big push to not only uh, match that and continue it, but to but to boost it up. Let's say, I mean, let's say Ducey is successful in in making this making this plan going forward. Is that like we don't need that extension anymore? Is that we need to match it, or there'll still be we need to increase that even more? There's no question that uh, it needs to be extended or you're going to take away all the additional money that Ducey is proposing to give them. Um, you, the, the schools actually receive more from the Prop 301 bucket than Ducey is proposing to add um, through the uh, district and charter additional assistance bucket. Um, the argument won't go away as to whether there needs to be an increase in taxes to fully fund K-12 through education the way that it should be. Again, I believe there does need to be such a tax increase. Um, but I do think uh, Ducey was in danger of becoming a bystander in the debate mm. over whether we extend Prop 301 and the extent to which we increase it. I think this meaningful uh, restoration of K through 12 funding uh, puts him back in the ball game, uh, and uh, the track record of trying to pass a tax increase over the opposition of a Republican governor and a Republican legislature is not good. Uh, so. Uh, I think that this is a good faith effort by Ducey that will make some members of the education community, some members of the business community, more inclined to work with him uh, regarding what should be done with respect to Proposition 301, rather than organizing to um, pass a extension in tax increase over his opposition. Um. Yeah, I, uh, it seems like um, maybe another big win for him politically. After you know, that would be two major wins on on education, one twenty three, um, and then if he gets if he gets this going going in, be another another win on education where he, where he comes out as being like in the driver's seat and, and taking a big leadership position. This is less significant than Proposition 123, but I describe Proposition 123 as 
a solid move in terms of politics, a, a solid move in terms of policy, a brilliant move in terms of uh, politics. Um, this one is another good substantive uh, move in terms of policy, but it's also a very good move in terms of politics. And just just a, kind of a last reflection here is uh, I just kind of appreciated just the tone of the kind of a unifying a unifying tone. It was just to me it was a little bit of a breath breath of fresh air <laughs> with all the rest of the um, conversations going on and. In politics, um, which leads us to our final question: Is uh, what chapter are you on right now in Fire and Fury? <laughs> I I have not even read the author's introductory note. Didn't pre-order it. Huh? No, I did well, not. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening to uh, this episode of the Political Notebook. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe on any podcasting app, and we're also now on Facebook. Um, if you follow the page, you'll see uh, updates and pictures as well.